This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the second day of August 2022. Man, do we have a bunch of stuff to get to this morning. Uh, The uh, trades just prior to the deadline, fast and furious last night. Um, The Red Sox making a move just prior to, uh, to the game last night, and Christian Vasquez just had to walk across the field to go to the other team's dugout. It had to be bizarre for him. Matter of fact, they showed him on television last night on ESPN just before uh, the game, and uh, he looked like a deer that had been caught in the headlights. You know, Vasquez just looked totally stunned. Um, so uh, we'll get to all that in a minute. Of course, uh, the Yankees, the rich get richer. The Atlanta Braves, the rich get richer. Uh, they were very, very active. Uh, the Red Sox seemed to be trying to straddle a line yesterday, which was a little bizarre, but we'll get to all that in a minute. I want to start the show this morning. Um, that news came down that uh, the, the Deshaun Watson uh, suspension is going to only be six games. Uh, Sue Robinson, a former federal judge who was the arbiter for this uh, that was agreed on with the NFL and the Players Association, uh, decided six games, no fine, uh, he has to use only a massage therapist approved by the team for the rest of his career, uh, and he and he has to keep his nose clean. He can't uh, uh, get involved with law enforcement or commit any additional violations of the personal conduct policy. The NFL is actually deciding whether they're going to appeal this, and this is this is where this is just total bogus. And, and look, I, I do I think Deshaun Watson should have gotten more than six games. Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's crazy. I, you know, I. You know, there's, there's been guys that got an entire season for smoking some weed. Uh, this guy uh, allegedly uh, sexually assaulted 24 women, and he's being sued. But it was being sued by 24 women in civil court, uh, despite the fact there were no criminal charges. Again, it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire thing, and he only got six games. He's lucky. But this is kind of bogus. If the NFL appeals this, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, or someone he designates, will make a ruling on an appropriate punishment. That's in the collective bargaining agreement. So even though that the NFL and the Players Association agreed on this this arbiter, the NFL can say, nah, we don't agree with that, so Roger Goodell's decided uh, arbitrarily that this is going to be your punishment. And then if the Players Association wants to fight that, then they'd have to take it to federal court. I don't understand how you can... You can have an agreement that you're going to use an arbitrator, and then at the same time, the NFL saying, "Yep, yeah, we're going to do that, but if we don't like it, we can still do whatever the hell we want to do. Makes no sense. So they've got three days to, to appeal this, and this is just going to be a case of whether the NFL just wants to have this go away 
or if they want this to be a season-long kind of thing where it ends up in the courts and 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 while Watson is uh, could play right away if if they're appealing this and it has to go to federal court, it could take a while to have this all happen. So uh, I think he needs to consider himself very lucky. He got six games. We'll see if the NFL abides by that. If I'm Roger Goodell at this point, I think I just bite the bullet and say, okay, we need this to go away. They don't need this. Now, I realize that the NFL is the million-pound gorilla. They can do whatever they want, get away with it, and still make $72 trillion. I get that. But at the same time, it's not a good look for the league if this is the st- if this storyline is still ongoing into the season. Obviously, people will still be talking about it because he's got a six-game suspension, but it's over. And then it's just, you know, you have that date where he will be back. But if they decide that that, that they're going to appeal this and give him something different, and the NFL Players Association then turns around and takes him to federal court, Watson's playing week one, and then God knows how long this drags on. And just I just don't know that the NFL wants that. So we'll see. But uh, Watson's lucky. Cleveland Browns are lucky. And uh, we'll see what the NFL decides to do after that. Uh, all right, let's get to what happened with uh, all the trades last night. And I mean, you know, you couldn't keep up with this stuff. You know, before the Red Sox game, we find out Christian Vasquez is gone. Jake Diekman is gone. And the Red Sox have a couple of guys coming back. And to say that they are controversial, I guess, would not be an understatement. Um. What what was interesting about this? Heim Bloom made these moves and then said that my my that I made these moves with the plan to keep us in contention, but also help us out in the future. So he's trying to straddle a line here because the Red Sox, you know, are still in the wild card hunt. He can't just throw in the towel at this point and say, well, we're, we have no shot because Red Sox fans won't accept that. And he knows that. He's, he's smart enough to know that. I mean, the Red Sox are only three games out of a wild card spot. They're only uh, five and a half games out of the number one wild card spot. So, uh, you know, they've got a couple of teams. they got a leapfrog to get into playoff position, but it is – not beyond the realm of possibility that that happens. So he's trying to have his cake and eat it too, and I don't know how you do that. And if that is the case, if he's trying to keep them in contention while, you know, helping the future out, he he did get a couple of prospects back yesterday, uh, one of which sounds very, very intriguing. The other one, you know, we'll see. But uh, one of the uh, the guys they got back, Sounds like he could um, really be something. This kid, Emmanuel Valdez, he's an infielder. He plays mostly second base. Uh, he's also played some outfield. But between double A AA and triple A this year, he had 327 with an OPS of like 1,000. You know, and uh, this guy is very, very intriguing. So, you know, he's only 23 years old, got a chance to, you know, maybe he could could be somebody that the Red Sox uh, could have in their lineup, if not next year, maybe the year after. 
Um, the other kid they got back um, was uh, uh, Willier Abreu. He's their number 21 prospect from the Houston system. Uh, a guy, he's an outfielder, hit 249 in double A this year. 15 homers, though. He's got some pop, 89 games. So, you know, left-handed hitter. So we'll see. Um, but uh, one of them for sure, the kid Valdez, sounds very intriguing. But if you are indeed trying to straddle that line between staying in contention and help, you know, building for the future, that tells me that you can't trade Nathan Avaldi. You know, I know he had the back injury and he struggled, you know, and, and even last night he danced in and out of some trouble, but at one point he set down, I think, 11 guys in a row. His velocity is down, but he's a pitcher, he's a, he's a gamer, and I, I don't know how you trade him and still stay in contention given all the other injuries that the Red Sox have. I'll tell you who I think is more likely to get traded is Rich Hill. Rich Hill, after he had did his last rehab start, the word was that he was going to start in Houston on Tuesday. Well, the Red Sox announced yesterday that no, no, he won't start in Houston on Tuesday or Wednesday. They're going to use Cutter Crawford and Brian Bayo in the final two games against Houston, which leads me to believe that Rich Hill might be the guy that the Red Sox are shopping. Look, he's 42 years old. It was a one-year deal. You know, he might be a good rental for somebody that's looking for a little pitching depth going down the stretch. So maybe Hill's the guy that's going to go because I don't see how you trade J.D. Martinez and Nathan Evaldi and still stay in it. Unless there's, you know, unless you're bringing back some other ready major league piece that you think is going to be able to help you in the same way those guys do, I don't know how you do that. And if you're trading a guy like that, you know, it's going to be to help a contender get better. How? How? What? Uh, they're not going to send you some uh, some uh, comparable piece in return. That would make no sense. And and look, the guys. You know, look, the Red Sox got Reese McGuire from the Chicago White Sox for Jake Diekman. Look, Diekman has been uh, spotty for the Red Sox. He's you know he pitched better. You know, in July, but he walks a lot of guys. Strikes out guys, but he walks a lot of guys. And, you know, he pitched to an ERA of over four out of the bullpen. Um, and, I, and I think the Red Sox have gotten to a point with that bullpen where they've kind of identified now with Schreiber and Whitlock and Tanner Houck, their guys going down the stretch uh, you know, 7th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth. you know, those th three guys can get you four innings if you need them. So Diekman maybe is, you know, and they look, they've got Matt Strom who's uh, on the IL, but he'll be coming back. So they've got another lefty out of the bullpen. Josh Taylor is close to coming back, another lefty they'll have in the bullpen. So I think they're looking at that and saying, well, Diekman maybe is a piece, and Diekman was making a lot of money. So they sent him to the White Sox. The White Sox could certainly use him in the bullpen. And the Red Sox get catching help back in Reese McGuire, who's under club control, I believe, through 2025. But the first thing that you see after 
And the Red Sox make these moves is they get back Reese McGuire and then they get Tommy Pham from the Cincinnati Reds for a player to be named later who's not supposed to be any big prospect going back because Pham's, you know, better days are behind him. But the first thing you see on social media is the Red Sox got in return a guy who slapped somebody because of a fantasy football league and a guy who got caught uh, spanking the old uh, monkey uh, in public when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. Right? So you get a guy who's a slapper and a spanker. That's what you see on social media. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and so... And look, you know, Reese McGuire is not wasn't like, you know, tearing the cover off the ball. He's a backup catcher. So now the Red Sox have two backup catchers in Kevin Ploiecki and Reese McGuire. Now, maybe they're looking at this where McGuire's young, under club control for a while, and you can use him as your backup catcher next year because Ploiecki's going to be a free agent. They figure it's an upgrade. But who the hell's your number one catcher next year? It's not going to be Connor Wong. I'll tell you that right now. You know, look, I know he's still young and he's still learning, but he's been up a couple of times, and there is nothing I have seen in Connor Wong that makes me believe that this kid uh, is going to be a number one, a big-time catcher in Major League Baseball. The Red Sox don't have catching depth in the system. So where are they going to go? One one suggestion I can make, since since it looks like the Oakland A's are determined to trade everybody and their mother, they ought to call the Oakland A's and see if maybe you can get Sean Murphy. You know, why not? Put him in as your everyday catcher. Or are they going to just go, go the rest of this year with McGuire and Ploiecki as catcher? You know, in a lineup that's already struggling to hit, and you traded away Christian Vasquez, who's not over, only a decent uh, defensive catcher. I think his defensive skills are overrated myself. But you know what? Uh, I have I've never been a catcher. <laughs> I, I I always I always that's just a, you know we've had that conversation before. I never understood guys that wanted to be catchers, but be that as it may, I've never been a catcher. But I, I think his defensive skills are a little overrated. They say he's great with the pitching staff, but, you know, I mean, you know, uh, but he's a decent defensive catcher. But the thing with Vasquez is, is after a slow start, he's been hitting the crap out of the ball. Right? He's a guy who was hitting 280, you know, getting big hit after big hit for this team. So if you're going to go the rest of this year with Ploiecki and Reese McGuire, that's a big drop-off. When you've already got a lineup that's loaded with guys hitting around 200, you know, I don't know, you know, can you absorb that kind of offensive hit? You, I mean, you look at last night, you know, Francie Cordero's hitting 220. JBJ comes off the bench. He's hitting 210. Dahlbeck's hitting 205. Ploiecki's hitting 175. McGuire was only hitting like 225 in Chicago. What, you know, so it's a black hole. Again, if you're trying to straddle that line, that means you can't trade J.D. Martinez who's hitting 290. You can't. You know, because even, you know, say, well, Trevor Story will be back in a couple of weeks. Well, great, except Trevor Story's hitting 225. So we'll see. The trade deadline is this afternoon. Bloom says they're not done. I don't know what that means. But if they, you know, if they, you know, look, if they make a trade with the Oakland Athletics and bring back a Sean Murphy, 
Okay. I could live with that. You know, and then maybe, you know, maybe that tells me the Red Sox, you know, think that uh, they can make another trade and they can trade what, uh, J.D. Martinez or Rich Hill or something like that and still stay in this. Okay, I guess I'll buy it. But, you know, we know Trevor Story's coming back. We know Michael Walker's coming back. James Paxton, they thought would be back by now. It It is It's looking less and less likely that we're going to see him uh, this year, or if we do, it might be the middle of September. You know, and I guess if you're still in the race, middle of September, that'll be a big boost. But they had hoped that he was going to be a lot farther along in his rehab situation from Tommy John surgery than he is right now. But, you know... Uh, Sean Murphy would be a great get if the Red Sox can get him from the Oakland A's. We'll see. Look, he's young. You know, he's only, what, uh, 20, I don't know, I think he's 24, 25. You know, he's going to be under club control for a little while yet. So, you know, that, you know, so if they do that, you know, we'll see. But I don't see how you trade Evaldi or J.D. Martinez and still think you're going to stay in the race. Now, having said all that, after all the distractions last night, the Red Sox win. <laughs> they end up beating the Houston Astros 3-2. to two, And, you know, look, Ivaldi was okay. You know, I mean, you, you look at He didn't give up an earned run. I mean, his defense didn't help him last night. There's no question about that. The Red Sox made a couple of errors. Uh, brutal errors, and not only not only a brutal. Uh, then it was another play that was not charged an error. Frenchy Cordero playing right field, a ball that should have been caught that any decent outfielder catches. You know he freezes or takes a step back, and the ball falls in front of him. He tries to make a diving stop, but he he couldn't make the catch, and that signaled the end of the night for Evaldi. Fortunately, John Schreiber bailed him out, but Evaldi didn't give up an earned run. Gave up four hits. Gave up a couple of walks, but there was a lot of hard contact. The first three pitches last night, three pitches, there were like two outs and a guy on, and they were all rockets. Fortunately for Avaldi, two of them were at people. You know, and he wasn't getting a lot of swings and misses last night. His velocity was down to about 94 miles an hour. His velocity has steadily dropped since he came back. So... You know, this is a guy that was capable of throwing 100 miles an hour, and now he's throwing 94. And you don't know whether it's still trying to come back from the back problem that he had, whether it's a mechanical issue, whether it's a combination of the two. Uh, but, look, if if uh, if that was an audition for some other team to say, hey, we want Nate Evaldi for the stretch run, that would be it. But I'm hopeful that the Red Sox aren't done with Nate Evaldi. Not just this season. I'd like to see them re-sign him, you know, unless they think there's something physically wrong and they, that velocity's not going to come back and he's not going to be the pitcher that he was in the past, I would like to see the Red Sox, you know, you know, try to extend him for a couple of years. You know, and and I think, you know, I think Evaldi would be amenable to it, and I think the one thing in the Red Sox favor financially, you know, is – Nate has struggled a little bit with the injuries and, and, and the velocity down and, and hasn't had the results that, 
you know, giving up home runs at, at a big clip. Fortunately, he didn't give up any last night. But uh, you wonder, you know, they might be able to get him for a decent price. Jaron Duran was the hero last night for the Red Sox. A two-run home run, just his second home run of the season. Went two for four. Drove in three runs. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck went one for two. Scored a couple of runs and made an unbelievable scoop on an awful throw to first base that bailed him out. If that goes down the line on the throw to first base, I think it was Schreiber that threw it. If that ball goes down the line, which it, it, it had every right to, a couple of runs score there and it might be a different game. Uh, so he makes a great defensive play at first base. So the two young kids uh, helped the Red Sox out. And then the story of the game as far as I'm concerned, and I lo- I love this guy, John Schreiber. Pitches an inning and two-thirds. He did give up a hit and a walk, but he came on in the seventh, got the final two outs of the seventh, and then pitches the eighth. And in both cases, when he walks off the, the – you know, when he gets the final outs – he is so much fun to watch. Emotional doesn't even begin <laughs> to tell you uh, how this guy pitches. Uh, he's great. And, and what a season he has had for the Red Sox. He's made 39 appearances. In 40 innings, he struck out 40 guys. He's got a, a whip of like 0.75. His ERA is 1.55. I mean, amazing. You know, this is a guy that was, when he was with the Detroit Tigers, uh, you know, couldn't get anybody out. He had like 28 appearances with the Tigers, had an ERA of over six. Uh, he, he might be the best find that Hein Bloom's had since he's been there. And he's only 28 years old. You know, 15th round draft pick, and nobody saw this coming. But he that slider that he throws from the side, whew, thing moves a ton so he was the story of the game last night and then Tanner Howe comes on and gets a one two three ninth inning and the Red Sox beat the Houston Astros they have beaten the Houston Astros who without a doubt are the second best team in the American League the Red Sox have beaten the the Astros in three of the four meetings this year they win tonight they win the season series against the Astros. Go figure, right? Uh, Cutter Crawford's going to take the mound for the Red Sox tonight. And uh, and then uh, it'll be Brian Bayo who has come on in relief after an opener the other day and pitched pretty well. Um, but his his results have been mixed, to say the least. That's been uh, – that might be being kind. Um, but, look – We'll see what happens in the next, you know, few hours and, and what else Bloom does. But it seems like, to me right now, it, it, I, I don't want to say it's a dangerous game, but, I, you know, I don't see how you, – you either, you're either a buyer or a seller. I don't know how you can be both. You know, the other team that's doing the same thing is the Baltimore Orioles. They traded Trey Mancini yesterday. You know, a guy that the fans love and a guy who is a valuable piece. You know, his numbers are down this year a little bit. He's hitting only hitting like 255. But, you know, that's a valuable guy to have on your team when you're in a playoff race and you're the Orioles and you're only two games or two and a half games out of the wild card. But your GM saying, well, yeah, we're, we're in the wild card position, but I really don't think that we're making the wild card. 
What the hell are you telling your fans there? Jesus, you, you've lost 100 games for three seasons in a row, and you're actually, you've, you just won a game yesterday. You're 52 and 51. You won as many games this year as you won all of last year. And you're telling your fans, yeah, but we're not really that good. <laughs> you know, what the hell is that? So, you know, so the Red Sox are kind of in that position. What are you telling your fans? Our payroll is $220 million, but we're not very good. <laughs> what does that mean? It means I've done an awful job. Where if you're the Orioles, you should be saying, you, you know, if you're the GM of the Orioles, you should be patting yourself on the back saying, Jesus, what a job I've done. You know, we're in it. But instead, they trade off uh, Trey Mancini. They get a couple of prospects back, and, you know, we'll see. But uh, lots of other stuff to talk about from Major League Baseball. Trades galore. Uh, we'll get to all that when we come back from the break. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. So uh, lots of trades yesterday, some of them minor, a lot of them kind of minor but uh, a couple of big ones yesterday, and we have to start off with the rich getting richer. Uh, the New York Yankees yesterday acquire Frankie Montas, the ace of the Oakland Athletics rotation, uh, in exchange. Uh, and they also get Lou Trevino, by the way, uh, their, uh, one of their uh, best relief pitchers, in exchange for four minor leaguers. Now, you know, look, to be fair um, – the minor leaguers that the Yankees gave up were four guys in their top 20 in their, in their, uh, their system. So, you know, they did give up a little bit, you know, I'll give them that, but you know, you throw now Frankie Montas in the middle of that rotation and look, they've had some injuries, uh, Domingo Herman going down, Luis Severino going down, uh, Michael King, one of their relievers, uh, is out for the season now with an elbow injury. Uh, so, uh, you know, they needed some help, so they get Trevino from Oakland and Frankie Montas. And, you know, and I don't know whether whether this is – and I don't know whether it's uh, – I, I guess you could say some of it's jealousy being a Red Sox fan and how much, uh, you know, Red Sox fans hate the New York Yankees uh, that I'm annoyed by this trade. But if you're a Yankee fan, you're thrilled. Of course, if you w listen to social media or watch social media yesterday, you know, uh, and the Yankees have pretty much said, you know, we're, we're, you know, mostly done. You know, what else are we going to do? Yankee fans are like, ah, we got to, you know, we, we got to get rid of Isaiah kind of for left. He's awful. We got to we got to designate him for assignment, you know, and look, he was signed as a, uh, a bridge you know, to their young uh, shortstop in their their system that will probably be coming up next year. But uh, Isaiah Kainofalefa has not been bad. Defensively, he's been pretty good, quite frankly. But they're basically done. The only other thing they will probably do uh, is move Joey Gallo. Excuse me. Uh, because uh, after tr uh, getting uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, Joey Gallo's playing time, which had been reduced greatly because he's not hitting the baseball, is uh, going to be cut to nothing. So he'll, uh, they're going to try to give him away for a bag of balls. Uh, if they can't, you know, wouldn't be shocked if they DFA him. Wouldn't shock me at all. But getting back a piece in Frankie Montas is huge. Look, Montas uh, playing for an absolutely awful Oakland team in 19 starts this year. 
Uh, fewer hits than innings pitched. He struck out 109 guys, 104 innings. He's got a whip of 1.1, an ERA of 3.18. I mean, good Lord. I mean, what a, you know, that rotation just keeps getting better and better. You know, and Trevino will be another solid piece. He's a guy that, you know, if they, if they want to give Clay Holmes a day off, Aroldis Chapman is no longer seems to be uh, a closing option for the Yankees. They're using him now in, like, you know, the sixth inning, the seventh inning. Um, but they've got so many great arms in that bullpen. You know, now Trevino becomes uh, another option. And, you know, the thing about uh, both Trevino and Montas, these are guys that are both controllable, right? I mean, they're going to have these guys for a while. You know, Trevino has struggled this year. There's no question. You know, uh, you know he's pitched. His ERA is, is somewhere north of six. But this is a guy that just last year had an ERA of three and had 22 saves for an awful team and 58 hits in 73 innings and struck out 67 guys and, uh, you know, had a whip of 1.2. He struggled this year, you know, and, and hopefully the, uh, you know, some new surroundings will help him. But he has been a valuable piece of that Oakland bullpen despite his struggles this year. So the rich get richer. The, uh, the other move that the Yankees make yesterday uh, they get another reliever, uh, Scott Efros, young kid. He's a he's a rookie, and he's probably one of the best rookie pitchers around. Uh, and they get him for a uh, a minor league right hander by the name of uh, Hayden Wisniewski, who is supposedly kind of a back end of the rotation kind of guy. Um, but Efros is uh, has an ERA of two point six six in forty four innings for the Chicago Cubs this year. You know, and, uh, you know, if, if, if barrel rate means something to you, which it kind of does to me, you know, when they, a lot of these other stats that they have, these analytics and these newfangled stats, you know, one of the, one of the things that they talk about is barrel rate. How often does a guy really stroke the ball off of you? How often does he make solid contract? attack with the barrel of the bat. That's important. You know, one of the things I look at, um, like, for instance, we've talked about the struggles that Brian Bayo has had for the Red Sox. He may be the most unlucky kid right now pitching in Major League Baseball. I cannot, when you look back at his starts, how many times he has had guys hit like little dribblers up the line, you know, three hoppers to the third baseman, you know, three hoppers to the shortstop, and they end up becoming hits, and they end up scoring. And, uh, you know, he's been very, very unlucky. The other the other day, that series against the uh, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, he gave up two hits to uh, uh, the big dude. What the hell's his name? I can't remember. But he was tearing the cover off the ball against the Red Sox. But – when Bayo pitched, he had like a little squibber up the line and like this little uh, blooper down the left field line that, you know, and, and Bayo's just standing there and just shaking his head. You know, but barrel rate's a big thing. So this kid, Efros, ranks in the 95th percentile in barrel rate this year. So, uh, and he throws a sidearm. He's a sidearmer, throws a sinker and a slider. So the Yankees just keep getting better. Like, they're not already the team with the best record in Major League Baseball. 
They just got better. Uh, the other team that made a bunch of moves yesterday, the Atlanta Braves. Um, the Braves got Jake Odorizzi from the Astros. They give up Will Smith. Will Smith, the relief pitcher, has struggled this year. I mean, he's a guy that uh, uh, has had a bunch of saves in his career, but uh, he struggled this year. He's like got an ERA like four and a half. So he goes back to Houston. Jake Odorizzi, uh, who's pitched well for Houston, three seven five ERA and twelve starts. And you know, look in his career, he's got an ERA of under four. This is a a, a guy that will be a great addition to that Atlanta rotation. Now, whether he'll slot into the rotation or whether he becomes a depth guy, maybe he becomes a, a long guy out of the bullpen. If one of their young kids gets in trouble, uh, we'll have to see. But that's a great acquisition for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Braves also get Robbie Grossman from the Detroit Tigers. Now, Grossman has been not no pun intended. Well, no, actually, pun intended. He has been gross for the Detroit Tigers this year. This is a guy that's got a ton of power, but is hitting two hundred five with just two homers and and twenty three runs batted in. But against left handed pitching, he is hitting three sixty four. So this is a guy that they are obviously going to use in a platoon situation. And against lefties, I mean, he's tearing the cover off the ball. And if you're Atlanta, it's really a no risk thing here. Because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So, uh, you know, no no, uh, no problem there. They get uh, Adrianza, a utility guy from the Washington Nationals. Again, another good depth situation here. He played with the Braves last year, so he's got a lot of familiarity with them. Hit two fifty for him last year. Good pinch hitter, a guy that, you know, can play everywhere. So great depth addition there for the Atlanta Braves. And then the other thing they did yesterday is they locked up their all-star, Austin Riley. They signed him to a 10-year extension worth $212 million. I mean, this kid, you know, still had four years before he reached uh, free agency. And they locked him up till he's 35 years old now. And this is, you know, look, the, he had an unbelievable July, 26 extra base hits in July, most by a Braves player in any month, uh, passing a record that had been held by Hank Aaron, of all people. He hit 423 in the month of July. Uh, so Atlanta striking while the iron's hot. Now you think about this. They've now got him locked up for 10 years. This is a team that couldn't sign Freddie Freeman to an extension, and Freddie Freeman's having a hell of a year in, in, in Los Angeles. But they've got him locked up now for 10 uh, Ronald Acuna is in the second year of an eight-year deal for him, so they've got him for another six years. When they didn't sign Freeman, they got uh, Matt Olson from Oakland. They signed him to an eight-year deal. You know, so they've got you know a pretty good core that they're going to have together for the next six to eight years. You know, the biggest question mark for them now is Dansby Swanson becomes a free agent at the end of this year. Are they going to have enough money left to sign him? You know, and then you've got all these young pitchers that you're going to have to pay. At some point, the rubber's going to have to meet the road. You can't sign everybody. Uh, but, boy, what a great core, at least offensively, that this team has now by signing Riley to that 10-year deal. Um, the other big move yesterday uh, came yesterday when the San Diego Padres got Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers are in the middle of... 
a chase, you know, with the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central. And yet they traded a guy who was their closer for most of the season. Now, he hasn't been lately because he struggled in the month of July with an ERA of uh, like 12 in only nine innings. And he's making $11 bucks. He's got one more year of arbitration, and he's got a bunch of saves. So, you know, it, it's uh, uh, he's going to get paid still. And then the closer, Taylor Rogers for the San Diego Padres, goes back to Milwaukee. Now, he's not going to be the closer uh, in Milwaukee, but it's a great move uh, for, I think, the Braves. I mean, the Braves, the Brewers, you know, because Hader kind of had been a forgotten man. I mean, he didn't pitch against the Red Sox in that three-game series. He, did, he wasn't closing those games. They get Taylor Rogers back, who has shown the ability to be very, very good. They get back uh, two other pitchers, uh, Robert uh, Gasser and Denilson Lamette. Denilson Lamette's been really good. If they can keep him healthy, Lamette's a really, really good pitcher. But the problem is, is that, you know, uh, can you keep him on the field? This is a guy that was getting Cy Young votes in 2020. You know, and ended up getting sent down. He's, you know, been hurt and uh, has been coming out of the bullpen and hasn't been very good. But he is a really good pitcher if they can figure him out. And then the other guy here, Robert Gasser, left-handed pitcher, is the Padres' number seven prospect. Uh, He's one of those, uh, uh, what do you call them, crafty lefties. Doesn't have overpowering uh, stuff, but uh, is kind of a back-of-the-rotation starter and, uh, you know, has good command. So we'll see. But that was a big move yesterday. Um, so the Braves very, very active. The Brewers also got Matt Bush from the Rangers. Uh, Bush, by the way, I mean, look, Bush has spent his whole career with the Rangers. He's not a young guy. Uh, he was the first overall pick back in the 2004 draft. Uh, but coming out of the bullpen for the Rangers this year, he's got a 2.95 ERA in 37 innings. So another guy that uh, will help that bullpen. And uh, I, so I think the Brewers got themselves uh, a lot better. Uh, the other big move in that division, the Cardinals picked up Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Quintana, one of the best left-handers in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, it, it, he doesn't give up home runs, keeps the ball on the ground. Um, matter of fact, he's, only, he's allowed less than one home run per nine innings. That's fifth best in the National League as far as starters. 45% ground ball rate, so that's a good move for them. And then they also get uh, Chris Stratton, who has been pretty good out of that Pirates bullpen. Um, so a, a couple of good moves in the NL Central. I actually think both teams uh, got better as far as that goes. Look, the deadline is this afternoon. Uh, I know I'll be watching the Major League Baseball Network all day to see what else happens, but uh, uh, the better teams got better, it looks like, and, and the Red Sox are in limbo. Oh, one other move yesterday, too, by the Padres. They signed Joe Musgrove uh, to a five-year, $100 million extension. He's going to make $20 bucks a year through 2027. He's got a full no-trade um, for the first four years of the contract. And then the last year, uh, he has a, a limited no-trade projection. So uh, Musgrove is going to be in a Padres uniform for uh, quite a while. Padres all of a sudden, remember they used to be considered a small market team? Yeah, not anymore. This team spends money like it's going out of style. The other news for the Padres, uh, they got uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. taking batting practice. He is getting closer and closer to coming back. And, look, we know the Padres aren't catching the Dodgers. Nobody is. 
Uh, Dodgers with a big lead in the NL West, but the Padres right now sitting in the number two wild card position. They're only four and a half games back of Atlanta for the number one slot. So um, Padres, I think, uh, have improved their their situation yesterday. If they can figure out what was going on with Hader, um, I think uh, they've become a better team as well. It's 47 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some more of yesterday's games. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. Just a few minutes left this morning. Uh, the New York Yankees win again yesterday. Jeez, there's, there's breaking news right there. The Yankees pick up their 70th win of the season. They are 41-13 and 13 at home. Uh, they dance all over the Seattle Mariners yesterday, 7-2. to uh, Marco Gonzalez gives up six runs and nine hits in five and a third innings. Domingo Herman. Uh, five solid innings, gave up a couple of runs, but was okay. Uh, picked up his first win of the season. Uh, Yankees just hitting home runs like everywhere. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo with a, uh, a three-run shot in the first inning. Aaron Judge hit another one. He's got 43. He's on pace, if he continues this, to hit 67 home runs, which would shatter the Yankee record, which, of course, is held uh, by Roger Maris. 43 homers in 101 games. Uh, the 104th game by his team, but Judges played in 101 games. Maris hit his 43rd in the 114th game. But he joins, what, how about this? The fourth player to hit at least 43 homers in his, first, in his team's first 104 games. Very short list. Barry Bonds, the roided one. Mark McGuire, the juiced one. And Babe Ruth. The GOAT. Now, I don't care what anybody says. Babe Ruth, the greatest of all time. 1921, Babe Ruth had 43 home runs uh, in the first 104 games. But uh, Aaron Judge uh, has just given the MVP trophy now. I mean, it really, he's on the best team in baseball. Uh, he's hitting 299. 43 home runs, 93 runs batted in, and it's August 2nd. Uh, it's just obscene what he's doing. Uh you know, and I, you know, it was interesting. My buddy Mike DeMauro, who uh, writes for the uh, the New London Day columnist in Connecticut, just brilliant. Love Mike. Um, we've had him on the show several times. Um, somebody said yesterday, what if the Washington Nationals came to the Yankees and said, we will trade you Juan Soto for Aaron Judge straight up? And Mike DeMauro, who's as big a Yankee fan as, as, as you want to see, said, absolutely not. Now, if I'm the Yankees, and, and I don't, I'm, the, the Nationals aren't going to propose that trade because the Nationals are going to want more than Aaron Judge back. They're going to want a, they're going to want a boatload. You know, Aaron, Aaron Judge would be nice to get back, but they're going to want more than that. They're going to want a lot of prospects, some top prospects from a, an organization as well as a couple of players. But if you're the Yankees, if they did actually propose that, I think you'd have to listen. I mean, Juan Soto's under control for a couple of more years. Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent. You're going to have to back up the bus or the Brinks truck. You're going to have to do the same for Soto. But Soto's 23 years old. You know, he is several years younger than Aaron Judge. Don't you have to think about that? I don't think they would. But uh, it was just an interesting thing. Somebody floated that out on, uh, on social media yesterday. Judge is 30 years old. Seven-year difference. 
And I don't, I don't know how Yankee fans would take that. But it's not going to happen. But just it was an interesting thing. But anyway, the Seattle Mariners lose uh, 7-2. And the Seattle Mariners all of a sudden can't get out of their own way. After Remember just prior to the All-Star break, they had won 14 in a row? Well, uh, they have lost 7 of 11 since then. Seven of the last 11, and they are now in a flat-footed tie for the number two wild card, only a game ahead of the Cleveland Guardians, and they'll be out of wild card position. And this is a team that just made the move uh, to trade for Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds, hoping that that's going to get them over the hump. They will send Logan Gilbert to the mound tonight against Jamison Tyon. Uh, Tyon is having another good year for the Yankees. He's 10-2 and with a 3.72 ERA. Uh, Seattle needs one. Uh, in the worst way, because they are taking on water right now. Uh, I mentioned the Baltimore Orioles winning yesterday, despite trading Trey Mancini. They beat the Texas Rangers seven to two. Cedric Mullins, his ninth home run of the season. Ad- Ad- Adley Rutschman, uh, the young catcher, struggled when he first came up. Three hits yesterday, three for four, drove in a run, uh, hitting two fifty one on the season now. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle with a couple of hits, a couple of runs batted in. This young team is, uh, has been very, very pesky. Spencer Watkins, six innings, only one run, struck out five, didn't walk anybody, uh, picks up his fourth win of the season. Uh, the, uh, got a little bit of a break. John Gray wasn't right. He ended up leaving the game in the second inning for the Rangers, uh, with some, uh, discomfort on his left side is how it was described, but he wasn't right from the start of the game. Uh, and the Orioles win again. The Guardians beat Arizona yesterday 6-5. It was Ahmed Rosario uh, with a game-winning single in the 11th inning. Uh, it was his third hit of the game. And uh, it looked like we might have a tie in the AL Central. After the Guardians had won, well, the uh, Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers uh, were went to extra innings. And the Tigers scored a run in the top of the 10th to make it 3-2. And you're thinking, oh, we might have a tie. It looks like the Twins are in trouble. However, Gio Urshela, who had just come back off of uh, uh, a leave because his wife uh, had a baby, uh, hit the first game-ending home run of his career, a two-run shot in the bottom of the 10th inning. And uh, Minnesota comes back to beat the Detroit Tigers 5-3, to so the Twins stay on top in the AL Central. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I'm sure we'll have uh, several more trades to talk about, although you wonder how many more we could possibly have uh, after all the moves yesterday. But we'll see. We'll keep an eye on uh, the Major League Baseball Network today and see what happens. Uh, It's Garth Hudson's birthday. Garth Garth Hudson is the keyboardist uh, from the band, and uh, we'll leave you this morning with a little band uh, up on Cripple Creek. Happy birthday, Garth, from all of us here at Sports Country Radio. We'll see you tomorrow.